0: Could you tell me a bit about um, your life testimony, your background, and so forth?
1: Well, John, I was brought up in a very poor family. My dad was a hard working man who turned away from anything to do with faith because I believe now of re- severe rejection in his life. My mum was the mainstay in our family with spiritual things, the moral guidance, and education. So we had that. Lopsided, if you like, um, background where Mum took over uh, the um, control of our education and our moral understanding, whilst my dad thought that his way of loving us was to provide for us, basically, which was the case. He did that very well. Uh, But um, Mum had to start working uh, at an earlier age when we were growing up because there just wasn't sufficient to provide for us and educate us. Educate us and do all the things that she hoped that we'd be able to do. My father, on the other hand, said he didn't think we needed to have an education because he didn't have one. So uh, that's basically what happened. We, we travelled a lot from town to town on the Green Mountains when my father was working there. Didn't come down to uh, live in the Sydney area until my after my older brother, the oldest in the family, had to come to Sydney for his apprenticeship. And we were then a disjointed family. So at the end of the war, which was about, uh, I think in 1946, we moved down to Sydney and lived in a little place called Miranda, over in Cronulla.
0: And uh, that's where I was till I married. You mentioned your older brother, other siblings to you
1: have? Uh mm-hmm. My oldest brother is six years older than I am, John. He's in Queensland. He's... Uh, He's had a rather torrid time. I think he sensed the responsibility of being the August. So he was retired at 50. Thought he would die by about 55, but he's still alive. And um, now 76, I think he is. Um, then my sister, they were very close together. Uh, then my other brother, Jeffrey. my sister Jean. My other brother, Jeffrey. Uh, he was only um, three years younger. There was only about... 13 or 15 months in between those, each of those siblings. But then there was a, like, a break of three years because my mother was quite ill and told she shouldn't have any more children and she desperately wanted one. Now was the time, so I was born uh, three years after Geoffrey. Really glad about that. <laughs> <laughs> ever yeah.
0: So um, you were married uh, fairly young and did you... You and
1: your husband lived in Sydney, uh, Yes, I was. I, um, I qualified in a diploma of, women, of women's handicrafts, which is dressmaking, men, retailing, the whole, whole thing to do with uh, women's dress. Uh, that was hard because uh, I couldn't afford to do my final year uh, until after I'd been teaching for about three years. And then I was determined to get my diploma, <coughs> pardon me, because my mother was um, would have been terribly disappointed if she, uh, with, along with me working to get through college hadn't got that little piece of paper. So, the year that I was married, I was doing my final year, which meant that I was teaching five days a week uh, in a school, teaching sewing to girls, and going into Sydney, uh, I think it was four or five nights a week to do my tailoring exam, and I was travelling by train and taxi and so on. Uh, and uh, I finally finished it, but I was very ill toward the end and the doctor me I couldn't do the exam. Mm-hmm. I was determined, a bit like my mother, mm-hmm. and um, he gave me injections to get me through. I did my final exam, which was uh, making a, a lady's fully tailored suit in 48 hours
0: mm-hmm.
1: for my girlfriend. And uh, with the idea that, well, okay, if I get through and get a pass a C, which was the lowest pass, I'd be grateful and um, when I got my results I couldn't believe that I had an A pass. Mm-hmm. So I felt uh, that I had really done the right thing by my mother because um, my sister hadn't finished her course when she was going through uh, college, she married before she finished. But that year was the year I met my husband so I was in the middle of doing it when I met him and uh, we didn't have much time together at all. It was one of those cases where we didn't really know each other before we got married. We married the following uh, 12 months almost to the time I met. We were married, and I was only then I turned 21 in October when I uh, was engaged, and then we married the following June. So that's basically what happened then. And I moved again across from where we lived in Miranda to Parameda, where I had been with my husband.
0: Now, what was uh, your
1: husband's background? Cole had come from a dairy background. His father owned a dairy not far from here, uh, and he loved. He was a very gentle, spirited man. He loved his cows and and so on, and spent all of his time working on the dairy, which wasn't far from where they lived, actually. Um, So Colin had that background of hating the dairy. His sister had to take on the role of helping the father whilst Colin was allowed uh, to run off and do his own thing. There's a little bit of a a rejection process in that family where the women folk always favoured the men. The girls got um, discarded, if you like, or rejected. And that was a very difficult thing for all of the granddaughters. Uh, the grand- Colin was very attracted to, or very attached to his grandmother. In fact, he, uh, she lived next door to my in and he always slept in his grandma's home. He had meals with his mother and father, but, he, but basically lived with his grandmother. So that, uh, that was a very difficult time uh, for him to um, come to realisation that he'd been virtually given a, a free. Uh, go with doing making his own decisions and not applying himself to what he should have be been doing mm-hmm. and that aggravated system
0: It sounds like the uh, that chapter of your lives were very busy with with your your dressmaking and schooling and and then uh, was he coming out of that that lifestyle and starting to work in the city at that point?
1: He was um Cole was trained Debbie's his apprenticeship as a, as a uh, motor mechanic so when I met him, um, I was aware that he had that sort of background where he'd been a practical man and very good at his, his trade. So uh, we started off with him working for somebody in the Parramatta area and that's why we lived in this area rather than where I came from. That was where his his uh, job was. So uh, we first lived with my in-laws and. Uh, even though I was told I shouldn't have any children, I found, after I'd come back from my honeymoon, I was pregnant. So, uh, and there was that family uh, tradition of a woman doesn't work after she marries, so I'd given up teaching. I was um, free, free dancing, if you like, then, so I was able to devote do my time to being uh, a housewife. But then, of course, very quickly, a mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, we moved into a, a very small new home. Uh, my father-in-law had been instrumental in that he'd given us a block of land, or the money for a block of land, for, uh, I think for a wedding present. So quite early in our marriage we had a little home. And, uh, but of course then we had to pay for it, and it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. because we had a child as well, and uh, my health wasn't uh, wonderful at that time. When did
0: your daughter come along?
1: Uh, that was an interesting story. I lost three children in between. Mm. I had a stillborn child when like, when Alan, Alan, was my firstborn, uh, and when he was two, I was I had another child, but it was stillborn, mm. and um, I was very. I think that was where God really spoke mightily to me because I realized how fortunate I was to be through that experience, because the doctor told me when the child was born, I carried it six weeks dead, and he said, "said to see you should have said he and um, told me I was very lucky woman to be alive I had a wonderful husband a lovely little boy
0: and uh, I could go on from there
1: so I really I think that was a major hurdle for me with God because I'd slipped away from anything to do with God because I was the youngest and it wasn't uh, encouraged other than by my mother because of the situation between my mother and father there have quite a few problems there so yes um, I I realised then as I was laying in hospital having had that uh, stillborn uh, situation that I was indeed a very lucky woman to have and that taken me on from there. Mm. But there are other
0: dimensions of motherhood?
1: Uh, yes, well then I in my efforts to have another child because we were wanting a mate for Alan, I then had two more children aborted by the, the medical people because they just didn't um, didn't end up in the in in a child, so I ended up having a major throat operation done, and I assumed that through the years I'd had nephritis, which is a kidney problem, and that's why initially the lady doctor who told me I should never have any children, she had some sense that there was something very wrong there. So uh, Leanne was an experiment in a sense, the doctor said to me, well we'll have another go, Uh, this time we'll give you heaps and heaps of hormones and things, and uh, I realise now how important hormone balances in your life. And as a result of that, Leanna was eventually born. Uh, quite interestingly, the morning that the doctor was going to try and bring her on naturally, uh, it was a Saturday and no theatres were, were available. And when he started to do that, he said, that's torment. And uh, I just said to him, what's wrong? And he said, it's okay, everything will be fine. Where's your husband? Uh, and all of those questions disappeared for a little while. Half an hour later, I had my daughter by a caesarean section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was another miracle because it was placenta-previa. So, uh, she has since said to me, Mum, you must have really wanted me because he went through so much have me mm-hmm. And uh, she is such a blessing. Mm-hmm.
0: And you have some grandchildren
1: now? Now, we have, I have four granddaughters, no grandsons, but uh, I think that's God's plan too. Uh, the two daughters to my son Alan, we are up in Queensland, all in Queensland, on the Sunshine Coast, and uh, I think it was by God's um, grace that He gave my son girls because it's brought out the softness in him. Because I could see through uh, the ongoing traumas later on, which we haven't approached yet, but he was tending to be um, rather uh, aggressive, angry, and so on, but those two girls have softened him and I can see God's hand in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leanne uh, had, was divorced from her first marriage. She married her a very passive guy that didn't work out and then she was many years before she met her present husband, Alan who was um, divorced from his wife in New Zealand and so she has uh, two stepchildren uh, Claire in New Zealand and Um, Sean, Daddy and Albert. Alan and Leanne were married a few years before uh, they went through IVF because she was getting to that desperate stage in her early 40s where she thought she wasn't going to have any children. And she really thought that God wasn't giving her the desire of a heart, but she forgot the rest of the scripture. (laughs)
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And um, she just continued with IVF and it didn't work. Her hormone levels were... Very low, obviously, to do with her age, and, but maybe stressing for life up till this time. And then uh, she was finally told that she would have a miscarriage on IVF and because she didn't have enough hormones. And she and her husband decided to have a break for a while uh, because they a little property where they have cows and, and uh, calves. Uh, it was a season for calves, and then that wasn't appropriate time to be. Pregnant and pulling carbs, if necessary. So she, they decided to wait for a while. Unbeknownst to them, the Lord had really been blessing her anyway without her knowledge, and she, after having the miscarriage, which she had duly had, the next cycle she fell pregnant naturally. But didn't know from the October till the January that she was pregnant, so when she found she was pregnant, she was 13 weeks pregnant and uh, then she had to change her attitude of, because God was really blessing her with the desire for her. And um, she has now got, that's Amelia, who's now uh, over two. And in April, on the day of my son Alan's birthday, Charlotte was born, so I'll never forget Charlotte's birthday. And she's now seven months, and
0: another delight. Well, I've enjoyed seeing the digital pictures that come by the internet. Uh, how cute the little ones are, and it was good to uh, speak to you again over the telephone. You alluded, uh, on to uh, some difficulties that would occur later on in your marriage. Um, what what occurred and how did that affect you personally?
1: My husband, in the early years of those struggles we had in losing babies and so on, was fantastic. He was always there saying, Never mind, we'll work through this, and he was there for me. But uh, when Six weeks after Leanne was born, I was home struggling with getting over not only the hysterectomy but a research because uh, something went wrong. I think I had sinus and coughed and things went wrong so I had to have another operation so I was getting over that. And um, early one morning we had a call to say that his mother needed him to go to the dairy and he found his father had taken himself off by hanging from uh, the birch tree I think it was in the proper uh, that broke his heart but, and it broke my heart because he didn't have anybody that understood or could help him with that trauma so for years after that he struggled and eventually started to drink heavily um, in those times we trying to get help everywhere I keep on thinking of the song I've been everywhere man and we went everywhere man looking for help uh, Christian psychiatry psychology uh all sorts of counselling and so on uh, to no avail. And every time we went somewhere, I would say mm. another dead end. Um, and he became violent then, and that was really very difficult because um, we were running the business that he started up after very early years of our marriage as a motor mechanic. Uh, he had no understanding of book work, so I did all of that and promised that I would help him do that. He asked for my help and I promised I would help him with that. But I found that what I was doing over the years was uh, doing something that uh, Dr. Solomon talks about. I was basically helping him up and uh, trying to fix things and be a little missus fixer and try and help him but with all um, good intentions but it meant that um, God wanted him to come to the end of his own resources and uh, course every time a big issue came about, I thought it was the ending of his own resources, but it took a long, long, while It was really, actually, 23 years of marriage before things came to a head and we were separated.
0: And those, uh, those problems in, in, in Colin's life uh, also affected how he related to you directly? Was
1: I always sense that there was a deep, deep anger against women. And I guess it was because he was actually controlled by women. His grandmother firstly loved him dearly, but possessed him, if you like. And then his mother, uh, I thought, always knew it was strange that she was never able to show affection for either of her children. I've never, in those times, never experienced her actually putting her arms around her son or daughter and telling them she loved them. So. Uh, that's where I start to understand the process of rejection. You when know, I read Dr. Solomon's books on rejection, it was very helpful to me because it helped me to understand what my husband had been through and had love and compassion for him in spite of the violence and the anger and what it was
0: doing to my family. Um, what form of violence did that take, if you know, mind Physical
1: violence um, of the nature where I would just be in a corner somewhere where I, could, I was trapped, I couldn't get away. He it, it used to become incredibly strong. Uh, through the years my son came to my rescue and finally, when he was about 16, I think he was able to subdue his father and then we were able to come to someplace some place where we could um, admit that we had a huge
0: problem.
1: Uh, only in recent years has my daughter asked me how many times my father uh, attempted to kill me and I wasn't able to say I just said more times than I care to remember. And then she said, Oh, okay. So that was a, a very hard time but I knew that God was keeping me loyal to my husband, uh, looking for answers, but unfortunately at that stage not really high until the separation took
0: place. Now many would sympathize with the plight of uh being in in a place where there's domestic violence and what he said, you know, protect yourself, get out of there. Um, Did you feel like you were forced by an external authority to stay in the marriage, or it was more of an internal sense that God wanted you to?
1: It was rather an ambivalent situation, really, John, because deep inside I knew there was an answer for this man. He was a, a, a man who had a great deal going for him, Uh, but never had the help that I thought he needed. But I would never advise any woman now to do what I did and stay with the violence. I would advise them to um, move out with the proviso that there was somebody to help the uh, abuser to come to grips with what they were doing. Uh, I put my children in a very uh, invidious situation nearby, Doing what I did and staying here because it was very risky. And I, I have realized in later years what a dramatic effect that has had And it's just a miracle that she survived that.
0: And that God protected you throughout those dramatic events. Mm, absolutely. There, came a, there came a time when he finally decided to to lead that separation.
1: Well, that was an interesting one because we had years of counseling with a Christian. Psychiatrist, or a psychiatrist that, I put it the other way, a psychiatrist that happens to be a Christian. And uh, it was very godly counsel to start with, but then something went wrong with it. And uh, later on, I found out after my husband and I were separated at his, at the psychiatrist's instigation, I realised that probably his uh, influence was in suggesting to Colin very strongly that he should move out of the home somehow God showed me that he was, this doctor was afraid of what the repercussions might be. So he uh, assisted Cole, uh, in a sense, to move out, but he didn't give him the necessary help that he needed, which I found later on in the separation, but Cole didn't tell later on himself.
0: Now, um, fast forward to the ministry God's called you into to help others, um, there's a does it burden you to think that, that Christ-centered counseling wasn't available to husband and most
1: absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Everything we went to was still had that humanistic uh, tone to it. We weren't, uh, and I did actually say to the doctor concerned when I went for the last time on my own, uh, there was something strange and he said, what was it? And he said, you've never prayed with us. And then the last meeting we had to do it, my husband and I with him. He actually knocked over the crowd with us and I thought that was rather,
0: to me, it seemed rather false, which is sad to say that, but it seemed false. Did your insurance cover that counselling or was it coming uh,
1: up here? A majority of it it did, and it was, it was frightfully expensive. When people say that, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, I can totally agree with that. I've never added it up, it was an absolute fortune. We had to be in the highest benefit in order to get that sort of counselling and we have to spend a lot of money individually as well.
0: Now, you, you mentioned to me in our earlier conversations that um, during the separation, the Lord used that also to draw you closer to the Lord, and can you tell us about that?
1: Yes, and I think that, in, uh, that gives us an understanding, John, of the ministries I've been involved with. Um, somehow God took me to uh, listen to Major and Thomas on video, and I can only remember one sentence he spoke at the time and it was so meaningful for me and he pointed to the heavens and said, God wants to get out of there," in his very English voice into here I'm pointed to where we point to the heart and um, again in his very English voice and I just sat there saying to myself, that's what I need. I want to know God within me um, to work in, in my Hi. About what age were you
0: at that time? Uh, I,
1: was, I was in my late 40s at that stage because that was in the early stages of the separation. And uh, as a result of that, at that age, I decided I would go down and listen to Ian Thomas teaching down at Cape and Ray Barber College, Mount And uh, that led me to Dr. Solomon because I asked um, uh, Ian Thomas who we could how we could have this type of counselling in Australia because I've never heard of it before where Jesus is the answer and he led me to Charles Solomon and gave me information about other people but when I got home I didn't have that information it wasn't on the list of Charles Solomon but I a week later ran into my bedroom being aware of I guess the Holy Spirit was prompting me that I did have a book by by uh, Charles Solomon and it was um, counselling with the mind of Christ as it was known in those days I grabbed that book and and then it was led through my church to the fact that he was coming here to Australia. and That led me into these ministries uh, of um, Grace Fellowship. And then I met Michael Wells uh, while he was with Grace Fellowship and then uh, a continuing relationship with him in Abiding Life Ministries. Uh, Leela Faber of the Exchange Life Ministries uh, very been very special in my life. Uh, I was led then through that ministry to Bill and Anna, Annabelle Gillam of Lifetime Guarantee, mm-hmm. and of course uh, then to Freedom in Christ Ministries with Dr. Neil Anderson, and um, subsequently to you through uh, our connection with Dr. Solomon Chuckles, as we call him, or Chuckles, mm-hmm. um when we visited last year with my co-director. Anne. As you
0: as you talk about. Um, these ministries and emphasize the Christ-centered life and how to relate that to others. Uh, it's been a blessing to see how God has used these different resources um, to equip you for the ministry you're doing. Um, could I also ask about you mentioned the message about God wanting to come from heaven and dwell in our heart in His fullness? Um, how how did God reveal that to you in terms of your personal pilgrimage because you were dealing with with uh, being separated from your husband and caring for your children—I guess you had extra business responsibilities then.
1: Actually, I was basically running the business then, with some assistance from my son because he was uh, quite a mess himself with what was going on with his dad. That was very interesting because I wasn't able to go near the business for nine months after my husband left home. The aggression and anger was so strong, and I realized I had a very important role to play with the staff and not allowing them to be involved in it. So. I stayed here in the home for nine months and my son and my office lady used to bring the office work to me. In those days, no computers, so it was all hand done. And so graciously, God led me into doing the Bethel Bible study and that's how I grew uh, so strongly with my brother Ian, uh, brother in Christ, Ian Lucas, because we did it together, and we went to what it was to be uh, branches of the true vine, completing mm-hmm. each other. Uh, that's been an incredible blessing to be involved with Aaron and Kevin, his beautiful wife. Um, so in that time, uh, that nine months, uh, I was led to doing the Bethel course, so I started to do that, I think, at that time. I, was, uh, I had to go down to work at one stage when I didn't expect my husband to be there. And God has spoken to me in so many simple but very... Uh, significant ways I was driving to work and shortly before I arrived at work for this to do the work with the accountant for two days before my husband returned from an overseas trip the Lord just spoke into me and I believe he spoke into my mind the words know my peace and I knew that could only be coming from God and I accepted that peace at that time I just appropriated, I had come to understand the word appropriated Take hold of, or claim, or or accept uh, God's word for me. And as I drove to work around the last little block, I was flooded with God's peace, and I knew that that had come as a result of knowing the power of Christ in me. And for those two days, I was able to work at work. But the interest, interesting thing was, unbeknownst to my, to all of us, my husband had given us all the wrong date. So instead of returning the following day, when I wouldn't be there, when I arrived at work, he was there, having just come back from his trip with my mother in law and sister in law. I and mean, my mother in law had rejected me very strongly. I and mean, my husband left home and didn't understand what the son was going through. And she'd also rejected her two grandchildren, my son and daughter. So that was another very significant time when I knew that I had to give to God what was His, and that was the rejection I'd been through. And he just spoke to me through a very difficult process on the second day when my husband tore me apart in front of all the staff. And uh, I just went into the bathroom looking an absolute mess. And I, I knew God was saying, give it to me. And I knew what I had to give to him. And that was what, that rejection. And every time I sensed that rejection, I would just say, no, I've given it to you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was learning mm-hmm. and, uh, in a very important way how to appropriate it what God wants us to hold on to and what he wants us to get it up And that was part of my fleshly pattern was the effect of that rejection in my life. From then on I was able to go back to work and work in the business um, for the next period of time when I was there. It
0: would have been very easy to flood from that scene of being seen in front of others but God gave you the victory to entrust Absolutely, it in. absolutely. In fact
1: my accountant I said to me on the second afternoon, when we we're on our own finalising all the fees for um, the accountancy to be done, for the financials to, for the business to be completed, he looked at me and said, I don't know how you can do it, I don't know how you can go through that and still come back for more. And knowing that he wasn't a Christian, I said, I hope you'll find the answer one day, so. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a, a mighty experience.
0: I mean, you talked about giving things to God, like the rejection and the pain, um, uh, would you agree that surrender is one of the key aspects of, of God bringing us to to the, the rest of the gospel, the abundant life? What other things was he helping you and trusting him or surrendering to him?
1: Absolutely. I think the first understanding I had of absolute surrender was running into my bed when I was in a terrible state and just calling out to God and saying, come and do in me what I can't do. And I was flooded with his presence, his peace, his power was just an amazing uh, experience, but it was, I had been reminded of what Michael Wells, my dear friend, says, um, we need to come to that place of saying without you, John 15, 5, without you I can do nothing, Lord. but I know that all things are possible with you, and uh, another little uh, saying that I think I learned from a Faber, God Um, um, Jesus gave his life for me in order to give his life to me in order that he might live his life in and through me Mm -hmm. and I came to understand that I hadn't been letting Jesus live his life in and through me he'd been blocked out by all the emotional stress I was going through so I knew that I had to choose according to Romans 12 1 and 2 to to be totally submissive to God giving myself completely to him and then not being conformed to the Spirit, but being transformed by the renewing of the mind, and that the Word of God was, was vital, and I had to learn more about His Word so I could believe His promises fully, appropriate them, and, and then um, God could live His life in Christ, in and through me. I guess
0: mean, this, this dimension of is sometimes hard uh, to recognize because people think, well, you've been loyal to God, you've been loyal to your family, you're committed. But there, there are other uh, ways that God invites us to totally entrust to Him our burdens, our trials. Mm-hmm. And in terms of your separation from your husband, uh, how did God bring that to resolution?
1: Oh, that was fantastic. Um, one day at work, after I had been over there back to work, I was walking across the um, at the workshop for some reason, and uh, that voice of God said to me again, Avon, you haven't. Really, giving your husband and your marriage totally to me. And that really surprised me because I thought I had. And I there and then said, Lord, I'm sorry. Um, I commit my husband and my, and my marriage and everything to do with it to you for whatever purpose you have in it. Whether, and, and I said, if you know right now that down the track there he's going to divorce me, so be it. And that was a huge thing for me to do that because I always believed that God intended for that marriage to 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 go on and uh, and for my husband to be with me. But I didn't know how on earth God could possibly bring like that because everybody was saying to me it's an impossibility because there's been so much water going under the bridge. It will never happen. Uh, however, um, one day, another day, I had this little tiny card and it was a funny little card with two little people in the front and I forget the verse now and I even forget the verse that I wrote in it uh, but it was a little book and it said uh, a little card and it said God loves you and so do I and one day I just put that little card into my husband's pocket and he just took it out and read it and uh, I forget what happened then but he snatched it back from me I took it from him I think and he snatched it back And I know that when he died, that uh, little little card was still in his wallet. Mm -hmm. And uh, from then on, we just gradually started to communicate. Um, I know that God had to work in me in order to be able to show my husband that there was something different with me because I had never known how to react to him in a godly way that that wasn't of the flesh because the way in which he, he behaved toward me was so horrendous. But God was showing me how to react in a different way, his way. So, gradually, and um, I remember saying to him on our 25th wedding anniversary, um, as I arrived at work, Do you know what it is today? Bearing in mind we we're still separated at this time. And he said, Yes. And I said, um, Maybe you'd like to have a cup of coffee for old times sake. And he said, Let me think about it. And eventually, he came to me and he said, Maybe we could have a meal. So, I remember we had a Chinese meal and uh, then came back to the home here which surprised me because he hadn't been in the home for so long. At that stage it was probably getting close to his three years I think. And um, no, um, yes that's right he did that and then he went home and I remember watching him walk out to his car to go back to the little flat he was in and having love and compassion for where he'd come from. Uh, I thought, poor guy, you know, you're know you going back to nothing, I've got family here, I've got God in my life, I've got so much to enrich my life, but you've got very little. And then we kept on going in that way, and then when my daughter went to her first posting as a teacher, she did the same course as I did, dressmaking, and she was one of only two girls that got posted posting out of that, uh, I, I can't remember the number fully, but about 20 girls that had done the full course, She went off to work in Mudgee and she went off and asked me to drive up later and take some things. And That was the first time we'd been together for a length of time and he asked me if he could go with me. And that was a huge thing because I drove the car and I'd never driven the car before with my husband sitting beside me. And uh, I was able to explain to him how important it was to not let my daughter feel that he might be coming back into my life once she'd moved to the country that would be almost you know um, horrendous situation for her to think that she might have been blamed for the fact that he moved back home. So uh, we started to get Joe out together then and to spend a little bit of time together. He started to come home, until he was still very angry. Um, and then he moved back into home um, in the July, which was. Uh, Three years and two months after he'd left, and uh, still violent, and my children would witness that at times. Um, I remember my son and daughter at, at, two, at two different points in time saying to me, Mum, why did you ever have him back home again? And uh, I was able to say, I don't know, but there's a reason for it. I know there's a good reason for it. And of course, my daughter understood more because she was. Um, Christian and uh, she'd had to work through some incredible stuff because all the time we were apart my son was living away, he'd lived away from home since he was 17, basically had been at home during those difficult times. So um, yeah, that was, a, that was a very encouraging time for me, I saw God work in mysterious ways and uh, uh, as Rich Miller and I have said at times we shouldn't be amazed at what God does because he's an amazing God. And um, the fact that he brought Cole home, I know I didn't bring him back home because at that time, I've just remembered, when I committed my marriage and and husband fully to God, uh, I got an answer back from God, and he, I said, Lord, I'm sorry, and I gave him that. And he said, "Now you've bring him back home with me. And my answer to that was, I can't do that, Lord, but I know you can and I knew it had to be entirely up to God to do the work whereby my husband had come back to me in spite of the circumstances.
0: That kind of surrender interest bond uh, really allows God to do some supernatural things, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. In his province, what happened next in terms of him uh, bringing uh, Colin to recognize
1: mm-hmm. uh, that was him? That was a really interesting situation, John. Uh, in the following March, April um, Chuck and Sue Solomon were back here um, doing a conference here Uh, they were staying with another family and uh, we were travelling with them, Colin uh, didn't want to go at first and uh, he spoke with uh, Chuck and the man leading the Ministry of the Town here in Australia and uh, they decided to come and we travelled we did a seminar in Sydney and then another up in Queensland and down in Victoria and we were being billeted in people's homes and it was an incredible trip where um, Chuck counseled with us, we travelled in two cars and he moved around in those cars and counseled with each one of us and we, we all noticed that Colin was very tired in the evenings and he would ask me if I minded if he went to bed early and no, that was fine and, and I knew he was in uh, t- turmoil but he was nevertheless attempting to video the sessions for the seminars. So when I look back, I see where God was able to penetrate uh, through sight and seeing uh, Chuck teach with overheads and so on, and he was hearing the message. All I have repeated in those different places. And we got back, and um, Chuck and Sue went back to America in the, the April, and shortly afterwards in the May, um, Colin went to his doctor because he was. Really not at all well, and my son was the instrument whereby I got, whom God used to get his dad to go and see a doctor on a Wednesday evening, and uh, the following Monday he was in. He had had some medication, but he didn't work, and he was in hospital. Uh, the following week, he had a major operation done on the bowel, and found uh, a massive tumour and sigmoid colon, and he had. Uh, his liver had been, as the doctor said, absolutely shot. So uh, I called Chuck and Sue and told them about this and they just couldn't believe it. But um, a call was operated on. He had a further operation 10 days later. And from what he told friends, and I heard him saying, he met with God in that experience of God taking him down uh, this um, funnel, if you like, or a shaft and it started wide, it went narrower and narrower, deeper and deeper and his witness was that he got right to the very bottom and it was pitch black and uh, during that time the staff witnessed to the fact that they didn't know what was wrong with him but somehow God was dealing with him in a very meaningful way and uh, I went to work because he just wasn't able to communicate with me in the morning. by the time I went back in the afternoon he was awake and sharing with his male uh, friends who were supporting him his Christian friends who were supporting him and I believe from that time on there was a, an absolute change in him and I could that was a peace that I'd never experienced before and he did say to me that or in my hearing that he woke up with his hand at his head and he knew he was dying and I believe that had to be a very hard way for God to show him that but he still had a chance to to live the, uh, the crucified life, or the abiding life, or the victorious life, whatever term we'd like to use. And from then on, I was aware that God had done something absolutely mighty in his life, because for the last few months of his life, he let go of his possessiveness of me as a person. Yvonne, what was like those last few months, and
0: what was God doing in Colin's life in-
1: Cole was a blessing to other people uh, in that he was able to show that peace to them. I think that was the main area in his life where he was able to express um, that he didn't have to be angry anymore. The doctor that had uh, helped us through the years, the whole time of our marriage, was just amazed that he ever came back home again and I accepted him back home. But he was very loyal to us and right throughout his illness. Uh, he was there for him and for me and um, helped us in a couple of very difficult situations uh, of choices we had to make regarding worlds, and that sort of thing. So God used so many people to be a blessing to us um, so that when Cole died, um, I guess what God had done in my life was he'd taken me through all that grief process during the separation and... Uh, When Cole died, I saw it as God's providence, uh, he'd known all along that Cole had actually had that cancer according to the um, uh, powers that be, the people that know these things, medical people, people that we went to uh, for healing and uh, help with diet, all that sort of thing, they all all knew that, uh, and according to the specialist, that that tumour had been there for four and a half to five years. And the cancer research people or cancer support people asked me what physical or emotional trauma Colin had been through at that time, and I said, I know it straight away. He was forced to leave home because of you know, different things happening in our lives and for our self-keeping. And he didn't look after himself nutritionally, uh, he didn't know the peace of God. he um, had, a, had some support from Christians and he knew that that had to be the answer God had to be the answer but he just didn't know at that point in time how except that he saw in evidenced in my life that there was something different
0: well thankfully we are for the grace of God that that gives us uh, the hope of heaven the confidence of God's salvation but also as we embrace the cross um, the resurrection life of Christ is revealed through us right Mom? yes absolutely has um, God Reveal that grace and life in you what other um, opportunities and uh, ministries did God lead you into and following members?
1: Well I've been working and been closely associated as I say with Charles Solomon and um, Michael Wells became very meaningful at that time in my life when I was still working and uh, he would ask me quite often when I was on the phone with him he was still in the war zone and I would say him, yes and uh, he said to me once sometimes God takes you out of that war zone but quite often he leaves you there in order to grow. And uh, I thought of the compost heap and how God brings beautiful things out of the compost heap, so I was just hoping and praying that God would make something beautiful out of my life, which he certainly has done. And I now have the the joy of, as I sit with people who've been deeply, deeply traumatized even of the, through circumstances, Um I know I have to just uh, be there with them, listen to them, uh, earn their trust because they can't share what's gone on unless they they know that they can trust you because you're God's messenger to them. And uh, I have that joy of seeing people come through those terrible circumstances in their lives and walk in the spirit and know that they can um, deny the flesh and patterns of the past and so on. And uh, that has been a beautiful experience for me in getting to know all of these people I mentioned earlier, um, yourself included, and uh, uh, walking alongside my my dear brother Ian and his wife Kathy, as he's gone through extremely difficult times, which only his testimony can bear witness to. But um, in being partnering with all of these ministries, my passion has been to see them partnering as well in union so that we can, uh, as Mark will says, complete each other up and conflict or,
0: or have um, any
1: sort of discourse, uh, discord in our
0: relationships. Completing instead of competing, as you Absolutely. Say. Mm. So um, you have, were very involved in family business and things, but uh, it's worked out where you've been able to, to take... Um, of that and then be for Well, and then that was interesting.
1: I went through a lot of pain coming out of the business because after my husband died, I ran the business, um, and then my son went off and built up a business of his own. So that was all left basically running a male-oriented business, a, a motor workshop and spare parts and head servicing, and uh, you know dealing with uh, sometimes rather uncouth, if we like to use that expression, men, but learning to love them and so on, and. Um, as time, in 1995, um, God called me up prematurely uh, because my son wanted to take over the business, and that was painful. That was, as I sat with men deciding what I was going to do, men of countless financial advisors, solicitors, and so on, the tears used to rust, just roll down my face, and I never knew why, but I've, I've since seen it as, as a work of the Spirit saying, let it go, let it go. I learned to let go of all, all sorts of things. And um, that thing called me into starting this ministry as a bona fide ministry. I'd done that sort of work with people for many, many years since I'd met Chuck Solomon in, uh, and Ian Thomas way back in the late 70s, early 80s. So that was my training ground, I believe, even though I was still working. But God released me from that in 1995 and I Uh, Then that was the year I went over to America and met up with the Freedom of Cross people as well. So that sort of completed that group of ministries that I've been working with. Uh, So that um, now I have communication with all of those beautiful brothers and sisters who mainly reside in the States, but I have the joy of seeing God doing something beautiful here in Australia that I believe will emanate from all
0: of those ministries. So, we begin by as Freedom Ministries Australia. That's right, yes. And Ian Lucas has been working with you to mm-hmm. organize that. And what uh, what type of people does God lead to you to find freedom in Christ?
1: He's leading people from various different backgrounds and, and influences to us. He's uh, bringing people, and we don't have to go anywhere to find them. God brings them to us. And... Uh, This last experience with you, John, I must say, we we thank God for you and what's been happening whilst you've been here, because we've just been blessed out of our socks, as we say, here in Australia. And uh, we've had people calling us and thanking us for bringing you out here, and uh, because they've been blessed too, and we know that's going to be... And that will be an ongoing process, I'm sure, in many people's lives, and... Uh, As we've joined in this time with uh, deeply hurting pastors, uh, maybe pastors who uh, have thought in the past they might have known it all, Uh, we've seen God doing wonderful things, haven't we? And um, I'm excited, and I know Ian is excited. As I think about it, I can sense that excitement going up in me about what God's going to do in this country and, and the fact that we must pass these messages the message of the cross not just the the half gospel we've been given but the full gospel of Christ's life that he is not only the way and the truth but he is our life and we need to let him lead his life in and through us and um, and that's an exercising of the will to do that but I believe people have not seen the truths related to that message so as they see those truths and they get from their head to their heart God puts them down into the heart miraculously We see them coming alive, and I can see that this is what we need for Australia. It's always been a passion of mine also to see our men come alive and be able to be the spiritual head in the home so women can take their rightful role. And I'm thankful for all the resources we've been able to bring back to Australia um, to help us in our our walk in that
0: way. When we have the message of the abundant life, the grace-centered life, Identification with Christ, Romans 6-8. in Christ, John 8-32. Uh, the Lord does transformational change, doesn't he? What kind of changes do you see God doing in people's lives as you walk with them?
1: John, when they come into my home or wherever I meet up with them, I see depressed, deeply depressed, uh, traumatized people who are just so desperate to find answers. that are... Uh, I see them suicidal right at that stage where you wouldn't be surprised if at some stage they could take their own life because they just don't have any answers. And as we share with them gently and hopefully very sensitively uh, that we understand because I've been there. I have some understanding, maybe not their circumstances, but uh, in spite of that, the rejection they've experienced, um, the traumatised state-made they've in uh, the fact that people haven't even believed them when they've relayed their story to them I believe them because I know that they wouldn't be in that place if they hadn't had that type of past but as we uh, sometimes very slowly over a period of years even spend time with them get to know them and know them as our brother or sister in Christ we have the joy of seeing them spring forth as Bill Gillum says to new life and I love his term where he says we should be springing forth to new life in Christ. Mm-hmm. And you see that happening, we've seen that happening. you've seen it happening with people you've shared with me in these last days with us. you have um, given your time freely to them, and you've come back and said goodbye to you, or cheerio, or whatever, for the
0: moment. Uh, we've seen that change taking place. It's been a real blessing to have a conference in the personal ministry that... Has uh, been watering the seeds that have been sown uh, through you and Ian and others here. Um, and it was very evident in the responsiveness of the people that uh, they were hungry even for more of, of God's Word. And uh, on behalf of them and others, I just want to say, on God bless you. We appreciate what God's doing in and through your life, your testimony. And uh, we just thought we tried this little tape recorder we found um, to just make it a more Tangible way, uh, a recorded testimony of God's faithfulness. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is a God who is faithful. And uh, thank you for your ministry, for your uh, availability to the Lord, and we we'll look forward to seeing how God continues to use you and Ian, the Freedom Ministries uh, Australia team. And it's a privilege uh, to fellowship with you in these ways. Let's just have word of prayer and ask God's blessing. Lord, I thank you for my sister Vaughn. thank you for your work in her life, protecting her, seeing her through these trials. Thank you for uh, Rosamund Call's brokenness there during his illness where he finally did experience your shalom, your peace uh, through the rest of the gospel. Lord, you took the seeds that he had heard through the Christ-centered counseling message and finally dropped them into his heart uh, in the trial he was going through. Thank you, Lord, for giving Vaughn the grace uh, to welcome him back into the home and family and how as you say in your word you are the God of mercies, the father of all comfort and Lord now you've used that comfort you've used that mercy to equip Yvonne to now help many other hurting uh, men and women and uh, we thank you for marriages that have been restored lives that have been transformed as you have spoken your truth and shown your love and demonstrated uh, your wisdom through this precious sister so I pray your blessing upon our life and we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to abide in Christ so that the fruit that is born is done by the power of your Spirit through your grace so that you would receive all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.